Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we are making our way through the book of Exodus. And we're going to be in chapter 5 today if you have your Bible. And uh, if you've been following along, which I, which I highly recommend, I highly recommend in every book because you don't want to miss what the Lord has to say. And every book, every chapter has something, something important, something fulfilling. But, you know, as we're going through Exodus, it's kind of one of those things where you really want to follow along. You don't want to miss a chapter because you're going to, keep, you're going to run into something interesting that had something to do that linked into the previous chapter at times. And, you know, a lot of people are so focused on their favorite television shows. You know, they don't want to miss one episode because you know, they want to be caught up to everything. And and people are so fixated on that and are on that show to to the where they they binge watch what we like to call you know an all day or nighter try staying up to watch all of these shows just to catch up on but then what then what after it's all said and done what what have you what have you really gotten out of that television show with the exception of some temporary satisfaction of knowing what it is that you missed now the word of God is again. More important than that, but you know the beauty of it all is you could look back at it in your Bible if you open your Bible to those areas. But again, you know the importance of teaching each chapter. Teaching each chapter, you know, you really find a lot of gold nuggets involved in there that you uh, that you really might miss as you just kind of glance through it and read it. And so, in chapter four, we were looking at a. Um, what I, what I titled that particular chapter was chapter 4 was called The Reluctant Candidate. And that reluctant candidate was Moses, one of the greatest leaders of all times in Israel. And to this day even, after over 3,000 people, you know, the Jews still recognize the things of Moses and recognize Moses and his importance, you know. And we take a look at these things and, and what God is doing with him. Moses was the reluctant candidate. He was called to to lead the people out of Egypt. He wasn't really, you know, successful in meeting with the Pharaoh and whatever have you at first. And God told him that he wasn't going to be because God is knowing of all things. And so Moses really, Moses was a representation really of, of what anyone else was. Just another person, right? Another person that just happened to have been chosen, appointed, and then anointed by God himself. But, you know, it's interesting because I think of what Moses did here. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, tend to do one of two things. There's the reluctancy, of course. You know, fear. There's that fear of I'm no good. I'm not going to do, I, I, I can't do this. I'm a failure, you know, and I, I'm not going to be able to make it. And then you have the other side. Which happens to be, you know, the overly confident one, if you will, confident in themselves, confident in their works and their abilities. You know, I said it before, they're the ones who said, you made a right choice, God, in picking me. And then as soon as they walk away, they slip on the invisible banana peel. And so what God is looking for, if you've noticed through the whole word of God, what God is looking for is neither of those, but just simply one who is, who is trusting and who is available. And then third, faithful and obedient, right? He's looking for faithful, obedient people. He's not looking for, he's not looking for experts because there isn't one when, when it comes to the form of ministry because, let's face it, the, those who are the veterans of ministry that I've learned from that have been doing this from between 30 to 50 some years continue to say that they have still scratched the surface and are still learning. And number two, they will not go anywhere without the hand of God. 
in order to be in order to be a good leader, you must be the one being led by God. And Moses finds that out later on, but we saw the reluctancy of Moses in chapter four. I am not the right person. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not of eloquent speech. I'm not of this. I'm not of that, you know. And and so God of course God was aware of Moses and who he was and and what he was about, but yet he chose him. And on top of it, in his graciousness, he says, I'm going to have your brother Aaron with you, and he can speak as well as I'm going to help speak through him as well as he's going to be a high priest one day. So Moses was basically, had quite a team with him. He had his own brother who he had been separated from for years, reunited with him, and now are going to be actively serving together in the ministry of releasing the people from slavery. And, and what a what a not just a journey, but what a legacy, right? You know what a what a legacy to know that man, I've been chosen for such a task, and what a legacy to to look back on and, and be like, I got to do this for God. And, and so I'd like to think, you know, that that was Moses' demeanor as he got to know God even more. You know, a lot of people could look back and say, well, I, I got to do this. You know, I get to be in this this hall of faith, if you will. But, you know, no, it was more of like, uh, I got to do this for God and His glory and His honor. God used me, I was chosen. And every one of us can be that in one way, shape, or form. But again, we, we don't want to take pride in ourselves because we will embarrass ourselves. And we, but we also want to, we also want to be there to trust God 100% because that's the only way we're going to get anywhere. And that's what Moses had to learn at first. Because I said before, Moses was getting his feet wet with God. Let's take a look here. In chapter 5, Moses is now going to encounter the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh who had basically no fear, no knowledge of, of God who was Yahweh, the creator of all things, people and universe and heaven. And he was basically deity in his own mind. The, the Pharaoh was, is, is in his own mind, was about as arrogant and powerful as one could get. To where Moses at the time was opposite. So yes, there was there was a sense of fear uh, of dealing with one with human power. But you know, God shows who He is. Let's take a look here. We're going to look at verses chapter five, verses one through three, and it says, "Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness.'" And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days, journey into the desert, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So, you know, God did tell Moses that it wouldn't be easy, or it wouldn't even be done at first request. But Moses and Aaron would be obedient and persistent, okay? The, the things that God was looking for. But the Pharaoh obviously did not know God, the creator of all things, people, and life. He was focused on all the other gods of the Egyptian culture. If you're familiar with the ancient Egyptian culture, the Pharaoh believed he was the descendant of the god of the sun. So in his eyes, he was that deity, and, and no one, uh, he could not be challenged by others. But you see, the God of the Hebrews in his eyes was probably the lesser due to the fact that they were his slaves. And, and arrogance was common within the kingdom of the Egyptians at that time. But, but then plus, he was the only one to be obeyed. 
He was not about to obey God, yet he did not know him. And I myself have found it interesting how some pagan cultures, they know of God, but yet they, they deny his worship, yet they know he exists. Uh, the Greeks, okay, uh, the Greeks had a dedication area to the main god in Athens in the book of Acts, but they did not know him or, uh, nor his name. We could look at George Washington, the first president of the United States. He was a godly man. As uh, Some of his journals and things were found of, the, of his uh, relationship with God, but of course they don't teach that in public schools anymore, or probably not at all, but before he was president... He was in a war as a commander of the French-Indian War. And it turned out that George Washington was shot by a Native American chief, but he was protected by his medals on his uniform. So after the war, it was documented that the chief that shot him stated that he wanted to meet the man who was protected by the main spirit. And again, God was well known by then. It was during the 1700s, but he was referred to as the main spirit by the Native American chief. God has been known now for some time. Known of by millions upon millions, but known personally by much less. Many to this day deny, they challenge, or despise his existence. And as we go on, we will see that the, the Pharaoh will do all three of those aspects, as many do today. But, you know, history, it always tends to repeat itself. Uh, there are many Pharaoh-like-minded people, but I, I find it even harder today considering that at first he didn't know God and, and what he could do or who God was. It, it, but today we have such proof in historical records of such things, and, and many still take the Pharaoh's action into their own consideration as a form of a bad role model. If the Pharaoh knew who God was, he would let them go and, and he'd let the people go with parting gifts. But we can learn a lot from this passage on the grace of God. Many do not see it or want to because they, they know the whole story. But in the truth of the matter, God was giving chance after chance. And this was the first attempt. Moses, even as a messenger... And a, represent, a representative asked with kindness and reverence to please let them go so that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses was persistent, as, as we should be as well, because there are many with hard uh, hearts out there, many with pains in life, where, where they want help, they want love and hope, as well as those who are doing well, right? They need all, that, all of that as well. You know, but they too can get caught up in the ways, in the traps of the world in which Egypt represented. Egypt was a representation of the world in this time. But God wants to be there for all. And Lord willing, we will accept him. So let's continue to see what happens in verses 4 through 9. It said here, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as, as uh, therefore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle." Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on them, on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. 
And, you know, why do you take the people from their work, Pharaoh said, with the message of worship to someone other than me, the Pharaoh? It was obvious that the attempt of eliminating the Israelites was a lost cause because they multiplied versus going into extinction, which is what the Pharaoh wanted. And I will continue to make known that God is not a God of subtraction, and God is definitely not a God of division. He's a God of multiplication. And if you're familiar with the fall of Satan, when he was cast out of heaven, the reason that that was... was, he was cast out was because he had the original sin of pride. He thought that he could be above God and, 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 and the other angels, right? And by that, he was cast out of heaven. And that form of pride we can see in the Pharaoh as well. The, the fact that a suggestion was made to worship God for three days was out of the question. So he decides to make it harder and force them to add on to the labor tasks by gathering their own straw. And it looked as if it, if it was provided for them before, okay, somebody was gathering the straw and bringing it to them for them to make the bricks, but now they have to go and get it themselves in large bundles. And it's interesting because the, the straw was actually used to help strengthen the bricks as, as it would adhere to the clay. And, and they would most likely sunbake them um, after the process, process, which was easy to do in Egypt, uh, especially certain times of the year if it were summer. And archaeologists have actually found straw in the bricks that were discovered. So imagine the labor of locating and hauling straw for mass production. I thought it was interesting how that worked because it seemed to be an ancient um, uh, Middle Eastern thing of how bricks were made back then. And we see the love and fellowship, though, of God versus that of man. You know, we're to produce for the sake and wealth of the dictated leaders where God says, hey, come sit with me. I just want to be with you and talk. It's been a long, it's been too long and I really believe he misses us. And he misses all of his children when we were separated for the taskmaster. Someone may say that I, I tried that, but things are worse now comparing it to this situation. Okay, the Jews would have seen it that way. I did all that before, but now it's worse. Now, we have to remember that if, if our life is not at its happiest moments, perhaps there is misery. You know, we're out of God's favor. Or we, we, we cannot assume that because we may be suffering for doing good in an evil world. And then there is those cases where we did bring it upon ourselves because as much as God is lo- uh, love beyond any out there he is also just beyond any out there so at times we don't always know what it is did is it was it something we did that very well could have been because god is just or was it something that he's allowing us to go through to strengthen us this was the account of god doing something and doing something great because we we can remember some of the worst times in our lives Maybe getting lost, okay, and then and then being found as a child, uh, losing something or someone important, and then getting them back. Maybe even something uh, to a near death experience, and then being delivered. If you remember, if you had those experiences, the the sense of relief was like no other. But God will allow us to experience things, and for a purpose. It's His purpose, but it benefits us in the long run. Uh, The remembrance of fear and anxiety goes away because the sense of relief and victory is much stronger because the relief and victory is what God brings. Not fear, not anxiety. It's from the enemy. So let's see what happens here in verse 10. And then we're looking at verses 10 to 16 if you're following along. It says, 
And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get it yourselves. Get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as, uh, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's uh, taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Where are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And, and, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. You know, some people today relate very closely to this in, in, the, uh, in the quotas and the hours you know, being worked with the threats of losing one's job. And in most places, there are labor laws to protect people from abuse, but the mindset is still the same, like these taskmasters of Pharaoh. <laughs> it even got so bad that certain Hebrews who were made officers, which could be in the form of upper management, were now facing abuse themselves. The Bible teaches all sides and parties on how to deal with one another on that of employers and employees. This was not in the, in the approval of God on how to deal with those who work for you. And then second, we could look at the Jews who cried out to Pharaoh and asked, why did, they cry to, uh, why did they cry to him, right? When they should have cried to God. Why did they go crying to the Pharaoh? Because it's normal to go straight to the human source of our problems. But with some, there's no getting anywhere. And then others, you can see results. This was not an I quit, okay? I'm, I'm putting in my notice situation. This was forced upon them for the sake of their survival. They had to scatter to find straw. And that was the job of the taskmasters before. But now they were right. They were right in their complaint. This is the fault of the Egyptians. It was their job to supply it. We can see that it wasn't that there was a life or death thing to have bricks. Okay, the, the bricks were made, uh, it was made out of spite, if you will, uh, for slavery. They, they might as well have spoke uh, to a brick wall instead of the pharaoh. This was just proof of hate and punishment. Uh, we could never say that the Old Testament, I can't stand that, you know, when people say, oh, the, the Old Testament does not relate to us. This situation is very relational. We feel stuck. We hit our jobs. Our, our boss is unbearable. They're trying to do everything possible to make your time miserable. They want you gone, and the list goes on. See, may we remember that as hard as it is today, what it was like for the Israelites back then. And yet, God was in control. And when I talk about God, and then it's, it's not only then, but God is about now and the future. Because I myself am one who despises the abusive management of jobs and careers. I've been in that realm, I've been through it, and, and I've witnessed it happen to others. And eventually those who are guilty of cracking the whip unjustly will face a form of repercussion somewhere down the line. Because God is good all the time. His word is good, it's true when we follow what he says. It only benefits us if you're a if you're a worker, an employee, there is instruction on how to be the best employee. 
If you're an employer, there's instruction on how to be the best employer. And we're in a situation like that of the Israelites. We have the same access to the same God who hears us and watches over our steps. But the right steps must happen. And the first step is the step of prayer to God first. Second is to do the right thing in the word of God. You know, to be in the realm of the word when doing all things. And then God will be pleased with your work. So let's continue here as we, let's see what, uh, what comes next because it always gets interesting as we carry on, right? In verses 17 to 23. But he said, you are idle. Idle, therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work for no straw. It shall be given to you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because the Lord has made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in the hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to these people. You know, neither have you delivered your people at all. You know, Mo- Moses gets a <laughs> Moses gets a taste of future leadership. You know, he he got the blame for what happened here now. The Pharaohs despised that, that there was a God above him and then made it worse on the Israelites. Now, I'm sure we have seen something similar, if not experienced it firsthand, when trying to step up for someone being mistreated by powers that be. But again, we forget that there is one power and one power above all in God. Complaining and turning on leadership doesn't really do much good. But when we turn to God, he shows us other things that he is doing. Uh, Moses, as the leader, uh, you know, as the leader appointed, was hoping and looking for faster results in the release of the people. And now Moses definitely was the person in the position. And the reason being was compassion on the people. That's one of the main reasons why I believe Moses was chosen as a leader. And we have to remember that Moses is just getting his feet wet when it comes to God and and how God works. Because not too many will know God in the way that Moses got to know God. Uh, We have the word in its entirety. And and we have the blessing to see what God continued to do amongst people for thousands of years. And, And it's not the first time that God allowed some hardships and setbacks while he was working. God never promised smooth rides, but he does promise a safe destination. And as one who is is teaching this, I can understand frustration and hardships in leadership. It's very common when things go wrong, everybody goes after the they they go after and they try to rid of the leader. But when something goes right, everyone t- tries to take the credit for it. But yet, this is all for the glory of God that we are allowed to be part of by, by His use and allowance. We've got to remember that. No one should take credit for what God does, but all should give thanks and praise for it. 
disappointments should not hinder us from our work from the Lord. See, we mess up in our jobs, we mess up in school, in the corporate world all the time. And, and we, but yet we still carry on. Why not even more so for the eternal work God has given us when he picks us back up? See, we're all in the same boat. When it comes to blessings, we are always thankful, but we forget that we should be thankful during the hard times because of the mighty work God's doing in us. If all we had were good times, we could never grow from things, nor can we truly help others through their fires when we have no idea how to put the fire out. But there will come a time when there will be no pain, and there will be no suffering, no sorrow, grief, or stress. But there will be an eternity of love, comfort, and worship. See, it was by God to send his only begotten son to die for the world, like the rescue of the Israelites from slavery and bondage to a promised land known as Israel. Christ came to do the same, to bring us to a promised place of heaven in the presence of God for all of eternity. Now, the question is, is do you want that? Do you want Christ as Lord and Savior, his only begotten son? See, he wants you more than anything. He died so that we could have a place with him if we should only accept him. And that can be accomplished. He already accomplished the work on the cross, but now you must receive him in truth and love. Now, the question has always been, well, how do I do that? You know, I've been, I've been good all my life, or at least the majority of my life. Well, that's great, and I pray that you'll continue, but that's not the ticket into heaven. I've done some great works. I've fed the poor and the hungry, and that's wonderful. And again, I pray that you would continue to do that in his name. But in order to receive salvation, Christ himself said that he must be received. You must receive him in order to be born again. In order to see the kingdom, you must be born again. You must receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what the Bible teaches. And again, a voice in the distance is part of that. The majority of that is to equip you, to teach you the Word of God, the whole Word of God, for what it's saying. But it's also to lead you into that relationship with the Lord. The icing on the cake, if you will. <laughs> it's the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because every day we leave our house, we don't know what's going to happen to us. And we have to ask ourselves, if something did happen to us, where would we be? Where would we be in all of eternity? Are we for sure, are we certain that we would be with him? Well, by doing this, this assures your citizenship in heaven. And I want to take this time right now to give you that opportunity you might be going through great times in life. You might feel to yourself like, you know, say to yourself and feel like, I don't need God. I'm doing perfect right now. Well, it doesn't matter. You might be going through the darkest hours of your life. And some people might just want to receive God for the sake of fire insurance. I, I assure you that, that it, it goes beyond that, that. You want to make sure that you have him no matter what. No matter how good of a time you're having in life or how bad of a time you're having in life, and maybe you're living a quiet life, all of the above, he must be received. And I want to give the opportunity, and I, and I urge you not to, not to let this opportunity slip, to slip by you. Because it's a simple prayer. 
It's a prayer of receiving Him into your heart as Lord and Savior. So if you feel led, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you to say, Come on, come on in. i got a place for you. Say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. For Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you to wash away my sins. I thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for my sins, Lord, and giving me a place with you in eternity, Lord. Father, I ask for you to come into my heart, Lord, and dwell in me, Father, as I dwell in you now, Lord. I thank you for having me, Lord, and I ask that you would walk with me all my days as I want to draw near to you, Father. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, you know, I, I pray that you're enjoying the, uh, the studies through, uh, through the book of Exodus or whatever book that we're in. Because the Word of God, it's just such an amazing thing. You know, you, you want to make sure you're paying close attention to everything. To everything He's trying to tell us. You know, it goes beyond just things of the past. These are the things that come into our future that lead us into an eternity with Him. So I want to welcome you if you've said the prayer. I want, to, uh, I want to encourage you to stay the course. And I ask that you would just continue to be close to God and His Word through prayer and to be in fellowship with those who are walking with Him. God bless you.